Welcome to The Faith Construct. I'm Amber. And I'm Christine. This is a safe space for people to tell their stories of wrestling with faith. If you're listening as a Christian, we want to encourage you that reconsidering long-held doctrines and traditions does not have to be a dangerous endeavor. We want to model a thoughtful and useful way to have conversations around deconstruction and reconstruction, a way that is not rooted in anxiety or persuasiveness, because we believe God to be patient and loving. If you're listening as someone who is not a Christian, we hope you feel welcome. Our message is that there are many ways to practice this faith, and the way you see churches behaving in the media is not representative of all Christians. If you're curious about Jesus, we hope you'd feel safe to dig deeper. And if you're decidedly not interested in Jesus, we hope you still feel respected and loved here. We don't endorse any one person's conclusions over others on this podcast, nor do we claim there's a single superior Christian tradition to follow. We just know that God loves you and his son Jesus was a humble leader. Our hope is to emulate that love and humility in these conversations. All right, we made it to our first episode. (laughs) On to episode two. Here we are. Thanks for coming back. Um, So today I get the pleasure of interviewing Amber. And we were looking back on our conversation, which, you know, at this point in real time happened a couple months ago. (laughs) Yep. And there were some things that came up that we wanted to give commentary on before we dive into the interview. Um, So mental health therapy, coaching. These were all themes that came up. And I feel like, Amber, when I when I look at all those topics, they sound like formal practices that we participate in um, that have aided our faith reconstruction journeys. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's mental health is not something just mentioned in my interview, but it is a kind of an ongoing theme with other people as well. Um, and so... Yeah, I think they're definitely important to cover and just give you guys a little bit of background of what those words mean to us and what they look like in our life. And so when you think about therapy, for me, that looks like meeting virtually with a therapist once a week. Yeah, she is a believer, but I love that she's also a licensed social worker. So therefore, she's studied the like psychology behind how to actually like change thought patterns and I didn't know the social work piece yeah so I didn't know either when I originally signed up with her but that's like her degree is technically a or her like certification is a licensed clinical social worker Mm -hmm. and so it's been great to have someone that can coach me through and like let me process all of the things yeah every therapist is going to be different um my therapist specializes specializes in anxiety, which actually is not my main mental health issue, but I love her and I've worked with her for a long time. I meet with my therapist virtually every other week or about twice a month. Um, and I don't have much more to say about it than that, but just we wanted to highlight that therapy looks different for everyone. It can take quite a while to find a therapist that you like. Um, And we do plan to link to a good resource for helping people find a therapist. Yeah, I work for a company that's focused on providing mental health resources to military families. And so this is something I'm like super passionate about is for people to be able to get the care that they need. Um, But I always joke when 
people call that finding a good therapist is like dating. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to try out a few before you find one that's a good fit. Definitely. So if you've had a bad experience, don't give up just yet. There's still hope you'll find one you click with. Yeah. And then we talk about coaching. Um, this is sort of an informal um, mentorship. I, it's funny. I just remembered right now. I used to be, technically still am, a certified health coach. And so that was my business before I got into real estate. Um, and so I would say that like the coaching format is similar to therapy in that it's often like a one-on-one meeting or session, but you're often going through a curriculum on like a specific area of life. Um, So Amber, I know you've done, you've received coaching. Yeah. So I think there's two different experiences here. There's spiritual direction, which you talked about in last week, um, last week's episode, as you were sharing your story. And then the other side of that is kind of this discipleship or accountability. And so when I was in college and then on staff with a Christian organization, I met with a mentor weekly or every other week And we would spend time reading the Bible, talk about life, pray together. Um, We also did some personal and professional development. I love um, my mentor. She's amazing. Um, Post-college, it looked a lot different. Um, There wasn't anybody to meet with weekly. I went from being in an environment where there was always someone looking to pour into you or to be poured into um, to being out in the real world and kind of figuring it out on my own. And I had a buffer because I was in Christian ministry for so many years post-college that that was built into my life automatically. But when I moved back to the States and left that job, I had to figure out a different way for that discipleship or accountability. And so for me, that looked like meeting up with a friend once a month or more frequently if time allowed to ask each other the hard questions and just really talk about our faith journeys, but also life as a whole. And so it included asking questions like, what are you learning about God and how have you seen him in your life lately? And so when the world fell apart in 2020, the formation was already formed in those relationships so that I had people to process with. Um, And that was just a huge blessing to me in that. Yeah. Well, it's good that you mentioned, um, having to create this structure for yourself because you're right that for those of us who went to college um, or just were part of like a formal community group in those early 20s years, um, there's a lot more structure set in place for mentorship opportunities. And um, for those of us who are past college age and beyond, uh, we have to be a little more intentional about finding those. And I think that's kind of (laughs) the beauty of what we like to make fun of uh, a little bit about like hashtag entrepreneur life, but there really is a cool, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Trend in the entrepreneurial world of a coaching model. And you can find a coach for anything. Yes. Yes, you can. And I think it's important too to remember that like, I haven't had this in all seasons of life since then being a um, mom, solo parenting with Ty being gone. Like there's so many seasons where there is no formal one-on-one sit down conversation. It's a lot more Marco Polo's in the middle of the night and Mm -hmm. sending prayer voice text messages or having these conversations over voice memos. Um, And so it's okay if you don't have space to add that in or you don't have the desire to add that in, but also know there's probably someone out there 
who would also appreciate it. So if it is something that you're interested in, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we, you know, there's a lot of interchangeable words to talk about this sort of relationship, but coaching, spiritual direction, which spiritual direction is its own formal practice. Um, And again, we talked about that in last week's episode. So we'll link to a resource for that specifically. Um, But as far as like coaching, discipleship, accountability, mentorship, um, I think, I think people get what we're there picking up what we're putting down. Yep. (laughs) As you say. Um, So beyond that, the last like formal practice I can think of is retreats. We have polar opposite um, views on how (laughs) we enjoy retreats. Well, different styles, really. Like, yeah, true. Like you love and thrive off of a giant conference. I can get down with a solitude retreat. (laughs) Exactly. Solitude retreat now sounds okay whereas before it was terrifying and I was like absolutely not um now I like being by myself I like being in the quiet and so it's something I could handle more easily now that I'm a little bit older yeah but we thought we'd mention it just because this is something that you can either look to sign up for with a formal organization like church retreats church conferences there are no shortage right there is no shortage, but that's also something you can create for yourself. If your soul is feeling weary and you need time. Um, my favorite retreat recently was, um, last mother's day. I checked into a hotel and didn't leave for 24 hours. (laughs) And, and that was definitely like a holistic time of physical, mental, spiritual restoration. Um, but if you're craving like plugging into community or diving deeper into like a specific spiritual topic, um, then maybe a conference is more your speed. Yeah. Or maybe something smaller with a group of friends. Tell us about the conference, you and your sister, not the conference, the retreat. Yeah. My sister sister and I hosted a retreat for our friends a few years ago. Maybe some of you were on it. Um, And it was basically a glorified girls weekend, but we just – made sure to create time for um, specific conversations, time for journaling prompts, yoga. We had like an intentional menu and it was really special um, because everyone felt like they were just there on purpose and had sort of a goal in mind for the weekend. Yeah. You might kill me for saying this out loud, but maybe a construction zone retreat is in the future. Maybe. One day. Not anytime soon. Once we start making money off of this thing. Yeah. If we start (laughs) making money off of this thing. Um, Yeah. I think that pretty much sums it up for potential like formal practices that have played a role in our journey that we just wanted to emphasize with you guys. Um, Like we mentioned before, we'll include some different links to these things in the show notes so you can find them there. And if you have any questions feel free to reach out. Yeah. All right. Let's get into my interview with Amber Hall. That's you. <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast you created. Okay. Let's jump right in. Tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got introduced to the faith and anything you think the listeners need to know about you. Okay. 
Um, I grew up in church. I was baby Jesus in the Christmas play, so that tells you a little bit about how long I've been in church. Um, I was one of those odd kids who went because I wanted to go, not because my parents made me. Um, and so I decided to follow Jesus when I was nine, and I got baptized for the first time. Um, it was my choice. No one forced me to do it. Um, church was really my safe place. It provided friends and a break from home life. And from 20, sorry, 12 to 20, we're kind of the wild phase, mm-hmm. um, really didn't want to surrender my entire life to Jesus. There were a few things that I was like holding on to and wasn't willing to give those up. And in that process, it led to a lot of other sin coming in just because I left the door open for it. And so, so you're saying like from the time you were 12 years old, Yes. Okay, for some reason I interpreted that as 2012, the year. Oh, no. Okay, got it. From, I decided to follow Jesus at nine, like, life fully revolved around him, pretty much up until I was 12, and then at 12, I kind of decided, like, oh, um, as silly as this sounds, like, I want to be able to go to the club and get attention from boys um, when I turn 18, and so I would not surrender that to the Lord, like, no matter how many times he, like, asked me, Um, and so it left the door open for all of this other sin to enter into my life because I wasn't really, wasn't willing to surrender fully. Mm. And so that pretty much carried on until I was 20. Obviously, I wasn't clubbing when I was 12, but there are other (laughs) forms of um, disobedience and living my own way. And so summer 2012, which is funny that that's what you were thinking before, um, was really the turning point in my life. I had kind of bottomed out with my sophomore year at college and was in a bunch of unhealthy relationships. Nothing was really working in my life. And I remember going to Bible study and telling my Bible study leaders, like, all of the terrible things that were happening and that I was doing and the bad choices I was making. And they were like, okay, like, we love you. Like, Jesus mm-hmm. loves you. And so it was the first time that I saw people really living like Jesus did and not just on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, but in the day-to-day when you're actually facing the hard, awful stuff in life, and they still love me without judgment. So that's a little bit about my background. Um, That summer, I went on a mission project and learned kind of what it meant to walk with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis and so be filled with the Holy Spirit. So not just, like, this one time speaking in tongues because I grew up in a Pentecostal holiness church, and so that was, like, a common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but viewing, walking, and being filled with the Holy Spirit as a daily task of, like, we are a vessel that he can fill up each day, and we can choose whether or not we want to depend on his strength or our strength. Um, sorry. A little bit of a long answer, but I feel like the background will help. And so, yeah. um, so after that summer, I went back to college a completely different person, I decided to get baptized again in January of 2013, just really as a public declaration of, like, I am not who I was anymore, and I don't want to live I also this got way. baptized twice. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that part. Um, I wonder. <laughs> that should be one of our rapid-fire questions. Did you get baptized twice? Yeah. How many times did you get baptized? Some people, it might even be more. That's funny. Depending okay. on their background. But Sorry to interrupt you. It's okay. Um, so after college, I worked with various Christian organizations and lived in Portugal for three and a half years. Um, moved back in 2019, got married, and started work, or kept working in ministry just remotely instead of in person. Okay. So that's... 
my background. Yeah. And then, so that leads pretty naturally into today. I mean, four years later, where are you at with faith and spirituality these days? Yeah. Um, right now I'm actually in a really good place. Um, there is still some digging I want to do into what the Bible actually says and figuring out what I believe on a few different topics, but I'm just taking it one day at a time. Um, I have a two and a half year old, so I'm finally after two and a half, three years getting back into a headspace where I can process what the Bible says, what the Bible says and like actually read it from the perspective of studying it versus just meditating on it. And so um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I think that's important context for people to know because, yeah, like for the past three years, sleep deprivation has played a really big role in your attention span. Like, yes, not your fault. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that I'm super thankful for, for my bosses, I swear I had the best bosses in the whole world. Um, in Portugal was just this reminder that like your relationship with the God, with, with the God, your relationship with God looks different in different seasons. And so when you are single, it's easy to get up and spend an hour reading the Bible and praying and doing all of these things before you start your day. When you have a newborn, you don't have that same mental capacity or mm-hmm. energy. And then when you have older kids, it still looks a little bit different. It's going to shift in each season. And the best way to continue growing through those seasons is to adapt to what you're facing now versus trying to force the way things were before. And so that really gave me a piece going into pregnancy and newborn and now toddler life, knowing that God wasn't sitting in heaven looking down on me, shaking his finger because I wasn't studying my Bible every day. But instead he was... the structure to be the same. Yeah, he was just thankful that I was like acknowledging him and spending any time in the word at all. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so would you say that there's like a defining process of deconstruction in your history? Or, I don't know, like when I hear your story from 2019 to now, it sounds fairly smooth, but how would you describe that in between? Oh, yeah. Um, Smooth is not the word that I would use. Um, There were a lot of really difficult things that happened when I was in Portugal. Um, Some major mental health struggles, struggled with some suicidal thoughts and ideation, had to take a break um, from my daily responsibilities and really dive into like what was going on. in my mental and emotional health. And one of the best encouragements that I got from that same boss during this time was that God was big enough to handle my anger and my doubt. And so I think I, and let me just say, I love the church I grew up in. I love the people in the church I grew up in. I don't have any regrets or bitterness towards them. Um, have been in plenty of churches since then, just due to living in different places. But um, I have no hard feelings towards towards any of the churches that yeah, I was... no, like, interpersonal trauma. Yeah, um, and I'm thankful for each of those seasons because I think I learned something different about God in each of those seasons. But as humans, we're not perfect, and so there's always going to be some flaw no matter what group of people or place you're in. And so um, one of the things I didn't really learn until this hard time in Portugal was that God was big enough to handle my anger and my doubt. Before that, I thought oh, I can't be mad at God. Like, that's a sin. Like, I cannot be angry at God. But the reality is, is, like, we're human. We're full of emotions. Jesus had all of the emotions that Mm -hmm. we have. Um, 
And God already knows that we feel that way. And so why would we not be able to communicate it with him? Because then not only are we mad at God, which we're not supposed to be, but then we're lying to him because we just are pretending it's not real. Um, And so that really started the shift of, okay, God is big enough to handle doubts. Um, And then at one point during this time, I was wrestling with this concept of like biblical inerrancy. Mm-hmm. Um, literally just like on my bed melting down and I called my mentor like and told her what was going on and I'll never forget her response she just said Amber if you decide not to believe that the Bible is without error that does not change your salvation and it won't change the way we view you it would mean you cannot be on staff but we will figure that out if we need to um, so both of these conversations just really provided the biggest sigh of relief for someone that I admired and respected to give me space and encourage me to really talk to God about it all was life-changing. Um, so fast forward to um, 20, I guess I went back 2018, got married January 2019. Um, our first year of marriage was rough. Um, <laughs> we are... I'd like to hear somebody say that their first year of marriage was easy. Um, actually, our friend Leah had a great first year of marriage, which okay. is like hilarious. She's the only person I know who says that, but um, different seasons for different people. And so um, we never lived in the same city before we got married. And so not only were we like figuring out how to be married, but we were literally combining every single part of our life for the first time. Yeah. Um, so we don't recommend that. Including like, your time. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't recommend um, never living in the same place. Um place being city, not house, um, <laughs> just to clarify that. Um, but yeah, that year was so hard. Um, there were lots of tears, lots of discussions, um, and I was just so mad at God because I had prayed so much about whether or not I was supposed to get married um, to this to my husband um, and really just felt every time God saying, like, yes, this is this is who you're supposed to marry. And so I had this idea of like, okay, like my husband is going to be the spiritual leader of the house and he's going to be so on fire for Jesus and so excited about church and growing in his faith and he's going to lead us in that journey. Everything Um, we're taught that a Christian husband is supposed to look like. Yeah, uh, but he's human and he has his own struggles and his own doubts and his own things to wrestle through. Really? And so, yeah, you know, surprisingly, um, which that's all his story, which I'm not going to share in the podcast. Like that's up to him if he wants to come on and share some of that. But I just share that little glimpse to say it looked very different than what I thought it was going to look like, um, to be married for our first year. And so it led to a lot of really wrestling with like, okay, like God, did I hear you correctly? Like, can I hear you correctly? disappointment of like what I thought my life was like gonna look like um not because my life was terrible but just because it was different than what I imagined and so there was this like period of grieving um and also still for me personally getting used to living in the U.S. instead of Portugal um we were in New Orleans so there were certain parts of town I couldn't go in by myself at night Mm -hmm. um so I went from like being able to walk myself home at two in the morning and a large city after hanging out with college students to like, I can't go by myself to Walmart after 9 PM. Like it was just culture shock in so many different ways. And so that's where a lot of my like deconstruction started and like kind of happened. And a few of, it wasn't this big defining moment as much as it was like a few little threads being pulled. Yeah. The process. I hear that it's, it can be really hard to discern the difference between something being, different 
versus something being bad. Yeah. And I think that's a theme that comes up in a lot of people's deconstruction stories. Yeah. And for us, too, I can say specifically for marriage, um, I'm extremely grateful for our first year of being difficult. Do I want to relive it? Absolutely not. Uh, but I'm extremely grateful for the way it happened because we actually, as a young, newly married couple, got to speak into the life lives and marriages of a lot of young Marines and their mm-hmm. families um, in that season because we had struggled. Like, had we had it perfect, I don't think we would have had a voice. I don't think they would have really wanted to hear what we had to say. Um, but the Lord, even in the midst of our struggle, really opened up the door for us to to help people walk through their own struggles in marriage. And so, Yeah, that's really cool. Because there's, like, all sorts of interesting marital stories in, in the military. Yeah. It's... Not that it's, like, not that you necessarily have to have a messed up marriage to be in the military. Like, that's an unnecessary stereotype. Unnecessary stereotype. Tongue twister. But, um, I don't know. For some reason, I happen to hear a lot of stories of marital trauma and infidelity in yeah. the military community. Unfortunately, there is a lot of that. There's a lot of, oh, I've known you for two weeks, but let's get married or like, let's get out of the barracks. There are yeah. plenty. That's a whole nother podcast. Goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a super interesting lifestyle. Um, okay. So you mentioned at the beginning of your story, like current day, there's still like some doctrine maybe that you're digging into, but it sounds like would you say that you are through your deconstruction phase and back in a place of reconstruction? Is this where you want to stay? Are you happy with where you're landed? Um, I would say both and. So I am extremely happy with where I'm at right now, but I also want to dig deeper. Um, I am still 100% confident that Jesus has been the only thing to fill the massive void in my life successfully. Um, but also I don't want to become content or stagnant in my relationship with him. Um, especially now that we have a kid, I really want to know where I stand um, on different biblical doctrines and just themes of life. Um, and I want to be open to hearing and exploring new perspectives because the reality is, is they are growing up in a different world than we grew up in. Um, there are a lot of things that are still the same, but there's also a lot of things that are different. There's conversations that are happening a lot earlier. Um, and I know what I've been taught. I know what I've learned in the church I grew up in. I know what I learned through my job after college. I know what I learned through the churches and the Bible studies and the different events that I've been involved with throughout my life and where other people stand. Um, And a lot of things I just accepted as my own beliefs because Mm -hmm. it made sense at the time. But now if my kid's a little older and were to look at me and ask, why do you believe that, Mom? I don't know that I would be able to say, like, oh, because X, Y, Z and really pull out scripture. It would be because... This is what so and so said, or that's what so and so did, mm-hmm. or or whatever. And so I really want to challenge my own beliefs, and that's kind of like, I guess, what deconstruction has looked like for me is like really taking apart the house, taking apart the things that I was taught and and that I chose to believe, um, to figure out: Do I still want to believe that? Like, is that what I still believe? Do I? Why do I believe that? Does scripture back that up? Um, so, yeah, I think that's where I, like, want to continue to dig deep and, and be open to, like, exploring different viewpoints and perspectives, if yeah. that makes sense. It does make sense because things change when you consider them from the perspective of explaining a doctrine to a child. 
Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've thought a lot about that too. So why did you want to start this podcast? Um, so I was having a conversation with a friend of mine at another friend's party, um, engagement party, not like college frat party. Let me just clarify. Um, I mean, you can have a lot of deep conversations at the club. Yes. In the bathroom. I mean, it's too loud in the club. Yeah, valid, valid. A lot of those did... We, I had some good life moments during that wild streak in the club exactly. at bathrooms. Um, but yeah, anyways. So, I was having a conversation with one of my really good friends, and hopefully she'll come on to the podcast at some point. Um, and I asked her a question, and she just responded with like, I'm kind of re- deconstructing and my heart sank. Um, not because I was like, oh my gosh, she's not a Christian anymore. What's wrong with her? Like, I need to pray that like, she'll be saved again. Like, no, mm-hmm. like that wasn't my thought process. I was just heartbroken because I have walked with this friend through a lot of seasons of life and have seen what it's like when she's like thriving in her relationship with the Lord and like dependent on him. Um, and just like how vibrant and full she lives and feels and to know that she was missing out on that, like made me really sad. It's always hard to, to watch a friend struggling through any like big process or change. Yeah. I think even, even when it's not faith related, it's, it's hard. Um, but I think because of the particular circumstances, it was like that much harder, um, just to really get one sentence in passing and not really know the full story. Um, thankfully, the next day we were able to like sit down and talk and catch up a bunch and, and really just be reassured of I didn't want to be that friend that was like, oh, I'm praying for you to like get it together. Like, no, mm-hmm. like um, through lots of different conversations with her and other friends, like I have a lot of friends and people in my life who either were on staff with Christian churches or Christian nonprofit organizations who are now kind of in this deconstruction phase. And as we were talking about it, there are a ton of resources of people who were Christian at one point and no longer have a relationship with God, no longer believe um, in the Bible or in Jesus. And so there are a ton of resources of people that are kind of in that scenario. Um, and then the, the flip side of that is there are some churches who encourage you to like go and explore, like figure out, wrestle, doubt, whatever, but then they expect you to come back exactly the same. And that's not fair either because when you wrestle with God, which is biblical, Jacob wrestled with God um, in the Bible. And so when you wrestle with God, you don't walk away from that unchanged. Um, and it's, ironic because most of the time on Sundays the pastor will even say like we hope you leave different than you came in today Mm -hmm. and so they (laughs) want spiritual growth and development um but it's hard to it's hard when your growth doesn't look the way your local church is expecting your growth to look (laughs) yeah and it's hard to like have those conversations when you feel this like weight of like guilt or shame like that the person has for you when you're like in the process and you can just like tell they are like oh poor amber or like oh poor christine like poor so-and-so like nobody likes to feel pitied especially when they're um when it's taking a lot of like vulnerability and courage to share what they're going through yeah exactly and so for me um 
the podcast was kind of solidified. I went back to Portugal for the first time um, since 2018, last year. Um, and was just having a conversation with a lot of our students. So I worked with college students when I was there, um, just creating a safe space for them to explore Christianity and the gospel. And so that was kind of our, our goal and our vision was we wanted people who were Christians to be able to grow in their faith and learn how to have real conversations about it with their friends. Um, and to not just walk with God for a season, but to really walk with him for a lifetime. And then the other side of it is just talking with people who have never had an experience with Christianity or who have had poor experiences with Christianity. Um, and really just hearing their story and what they believe and who they are. Um, I really love hearing people's stories and creating that safe space. Um, and so I got to do a lot of that in Portugal. So going back, it was kind of heartbreaking to see that so many of the students who were passionately in love with Jesus when they were in college were really struggling and they're in the same place that many of my friends were of questioning, like, do I want to believe this anymore? And like, what do I believe? And and the reason being not because they wanted to just walk away from faith through Jesus, but what they were seeing in the people around them and in their churches was not lining up with what the Bible said or what they believed the Bible said. And so, um, yeah, it was just really hard. And talking with them, realizing just the need for resources, a lot of them said the same thing. There's a ton of podcasts or blogs um, in both English and Portuguese. Uh, well, more so English than Portuguese, but there are a few in Portuguese um, where people are really processing their own faith journey. Um, but a lot of them said, like, we're way further from Jesus than we wanted to be just because of the things that we've been listening to are the only options out there to do that. And so um, it was this like nudge in my heart of like, okay, like we need, the world needs a space where people can come just as they are to really process where they're at in the journey. Um, there are so many people who have never been on this journey or who have completed this journey with different end results. Um, but there's not a lot of space for people who are still in the middle of it to yeah. really safely process um, what they're going through and what they're thinking. And so that's kind of the idea behind the podcast. Jesus gets all the credit um, for it. I still don't feel equipped to do this, to be completely <laughs> honest. I'm low-key terrified even sharing my own story. Um, but also I know it's so necessary. Like I know that God has given me a heart for creating that safe space for people um to be able to have the hard conversations and so um yeah I love that yeah faith is a huge part of our lives and of course it's going to change throughout life and um I, I think I definitely resonate with you which is why I wanted to join you in this in this project and I think that it's probably pretty normal that we don't feel equipped or like fully ready to do it but we're just we're just gonna do it one episode at a time <laughs> yeah yeah so we're just diving in and you're along for the ride and so um I will say that as I started doing research for the podcast I did come across a few on um Apple Podcasts or Spotify that were really interesting and really opened my eyes the deconstruction zone is one of those um that I've really enjoyed listening to. I haven't made it all the way through the podcast yet, but it's been a great perspective um, shift for me. And 
just to clarify kind of the terms deconstruction, reconstruction, you've heard us both mention those in our different stories. Um, and that'll be a common thread throughout the podcast interviews. Um, but a lot of times when we hear the word deconstruct, we think of this side, we think of destroy. Um, but that's not what it means to really build a house. You need to deconstruct down to the foundation and make sure you have solid foundation and solid footing to rebuild. And so that's what it's looked like for me. It's like yeah, it's figuring not a out demolition. Yeah, valid. I like. We're that trying word. to we're trying to salvage some of our lumber. Yeah, it's not this. We didn't set out on this journey. Like, I don't want to be Christian anymore. Like, I'm ready to move on. What do I want to believe now? But like, because I think people who are in that boat um, just move on. I don't think there's as much wrestling. Yeah, agreed. agreed. And that's that's fine. That's a different story. So, uh, speaking of resources, let's do that question next. Are there any favorite resources you've used along the way during your journey? Yeah. Um, number one resource would be conversations with friends. Um, don't do this journey alone. Um, figure out who your safe people are. Um, there are some people that I had conversations with in the beginning that I immediately regretted opening up as soon as the words came out of my mouth based on the look on their face or their response. Um, by all means, Give grace because everybody's at a different space in their journey. But figure out who those safe people are that you can have conversations with. Mm -hmm. um, that will really just ask you, like, how is your relationship with God today? Like, what do you believe about Jesus in this moment? Um, safe people tend to ask open-ended questions and tend to listen without, like, a an answer that they've already decided they're going to give. Yes, that is... A great explanation of safe people. Um, and then other resources would be the Jess Connolly podcast. It used to be the Go and Tell, Go and Tell Gals podcast. Um, but it's played a huge role in this journey for me of like really seeking out who God is and what that looks like in my life. And then I also did Go and Tell Gals coaching. Um that really just empowered me to step into this place and this season that God has put me in right now of walking with him and walking with others as they do the same. So those are kind of the resources that help me the most in this journey. That's awesome. Okay, last serious question before we get into our rapid fire round. What advice would you give your younger self or, you know, what's something you wish someone had told you before you started your deconstruction journey. Yeah, I think I go back to like what Mike and Sue's, my former bosses said of just like knowing that God is big enough to handle anything and everything that we may be feeling or thinking um, and to keep the line of communication open with him. Um, really did kind of guide this path even more so than I realized at the time. Um, and so I think that to me is the thing that's been the most monumental like the biggest monumental shift is knowing that like God can handle it and I don't have to hide from him. I love that. Yeah. God's not surprised. Yeah. He already knows. So amazing. Well, thank you for sharing your story, Amber. I know it's going to resonate with a lot of listeners and, you know, also offer context for like who these two girls are who are asking the questions. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Of and course. Thanks for coming along this journey with me. It's fun how God opens up 
doors that we're not expecting. Yeah, it's fun to work on a project together. All right, let's do some rapid fire, lighthearted questions. What is giving you life right now? Oh man, um, my husband being home from deployment is man. the best. <laughs> um, it's so nice to parent how life is like intended to be with two of us. Um, Christine mentioned last week, but we'll talk a lot about solo parenting. Um, key difference between single parenting, we are not the only parents. We are just often the only parent present in the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, we could not live this way if it were not for our husbands going to work and, and doing all the things they do to sacrifice for our family. Um, so let me just clarify that. But my husband being home is giving me life. He has been extra sweet and kind this week. Took us to get massages. Got a podcast mic. It's just kind of like a, hey, I see you. You're doing this thing. Let me cheer you on. Um, and then also it's like finally summer again in California, which is hilarious <laughs> because it is the middle of October as we record this. Yeah. And so um, usually it's really hot in like August, September, but it's been gross this year. Like so gray and misty. And Actually, the Californians have been really happy about that. But yeah. Yeah. As somebody who was expecting fair, fair, fair. summer until Halloween. <laughs> yeah. I was so hoping for sunshine. Um, but we got to go to the beach on Saturday and it was just glorious. So those yeah. are, that's what's giving me life. We're back to a typical October weather pattern. Okay, what about your favorite beverage at the moment? I this one's hard. Uh, probably an iced blonde vanilla latte with oat milk. I love Not that. seasonal at all, but grande. Grande, yeah, <laughs> preferably. <laughs> preferably. Okay, I added one more question. I don't know if you saw it. I did not. Anything interesting on your to do list today? Oh gosh, um. To laundry that I've been avoiding for ever. That's interesting. <laughs> it's not it's not very interesting, but interesting fact about me is that I just learned I have ADHD within the last year. That's much more interesting than yes. laundry. <laughs> yes, valid. Um uh so I'm on this journey of figuring out and just like laughing at so many things that I've done my entire life that I just thought were like awful or I was weird and alone and why couldn't I just do things like normal people did not that there is like normal um but yeah just learning like that role of executive functioning and how it plays a big <laughs> it plays a big role in things like laundry getting done yeah and I was very hesitant at first to explore any kind of ADHD diagnosis because it's like the TikTok trend is to like right, yeah. all these things. Like if you do this, you have ADHD. Um, and I do not want to diagnose myself with anything, nor do I like being diagnosed with things. But I will say it's been like a huge relief of like understanding um, who I am and how I'm wired and the way that my brain works. And I feel like, so I guess that is something interesting on my to-do list is um, working through this app that's helping me figure out how to maximize my ADHD and use it as a strength versus, like, a weakness. Oh, I love that. Let's yeah. link to that app. All right. Just we'll, for funsies. We'll put it in there. You can check it out. It's great. Um, All right, Amber. Well, thank you again for being here. We will be back next week with um, an episode interviewing someone besides ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so we're super excited. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye.
Thanks so much for joining us this week on The Faith Construct. Whether you're a regular listener or this is your first episode, we're so glad you're here. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Faith Construct and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow us on Instagram at The Faith Construct. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can DM us there. If you want to connect with today's guests, we'll have any social links they shared over in today's show notes. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Hall. That's A-M-B Nicole Hall. And I'm there at Christine the Brandt. Join us again here next week. And until then, keep digging.